Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Abigail Otwell, the woman behind the man behind Laravel. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the latest episode of Laravel Podcast Season 3, where I interview the people you know, or I interview the people you don't know, but either way, I'm interviewing people who you should know. So this one is the most interesting one yet, which is kind of crazy to say since we've had all sorts of interesting people, including the founder of Laravel, because what we have right here is what would you say, I feel, I feel like there's some phrase that people use when they talk about behind every something, there's a, there's a woman, I don't know, whatever, yeah, this is the woman. Man, there's a... Great There's woman? a something woman, something. right? Something like I feel like it's something that's like funnier or stronger or right. more, you know, whatever. But this is true here as well. With I, I would say, and I, I'm, I'm interested to hear how Abigail feels about this and how Taylor feels about this. But it is very likely that without the support of Abigail Otwell, who I have here today, there, there would be no Laravel because I, I know, I know that we're going to learn more today about what that story looks like. And obviously, you wouldn't say that because you're humble and all those things. But I think that's very likely the case. So the, the goal today is to learn about Miss Abigail Otwell. So can you say hi? To the people and for those who don't know you tell you know i ask this to everybody tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and then we'll get digging into the backstory hey um well let me think i am abigail otwell and i live in arkansas and i have not lived here my whole life i grew up i was born in connecticut and raised in pennsylvania and wow. moved to yeah. um, oklahoma when i was 16 my family moved to oklahoma I met Taylor a month before I turned seven, before I turned 18 and we dated for a few months and we were engaged for 30 days before yes. we got married That's awesome. <laughs> and we started on this crazy journey together, but it's been really great. We, yeah. we've really just had a great time, just great life. <laughs> I like it. So you just gave us the broad overview, and we're going to spend uh, the next forty-five minutes taking deep, deep into that. But so, if you meet somebody at the store today, that's not the story you get. I mean, you meet somebody at the store, and they say, "Hey, you know, oh, you got these young kids." But what do you do? How do you answer that question for people? That's kind of tough for me because I feel like um, I feel like some people when I say, "Oh, I," I feel like I say like I'm just a stay-at-home mom or whatever. But it's it's a big job. But I There's feel no like, just on that one. No, <laughs> and I feel like now the kids are in school, it's like even harder for me to like figure out what to say to that because it's like, what do you do all yeah. day? <laughs> but somehow the days are just fly by, just stay busy, and yeah. So I tell them I'm a stay, stay at home mom, and I do so. I used to take orders. I sometimes decide to take orders, and I get kind of burned out because it's a lot of work and just a lot of time away from other stuff that I'd rather be doing. And so I really love sewing for my daughter, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really to mass manufacturing it. <laughs> yeah. That was actually going to be my next question about sewing, because I know that at one point that was kind of like you would be sewing in the couch and he'd be coding the couch. Right. You guys have mentioned that before. So when, when you were sewing, were you like, I don't know anything about custom sewing. Were you using... In, in design and development terms, were you the designer and the developer or were you using somebody else's designs and you were mainly just doing the implementation? Well, some of both. The first time I took orders, I actually was actually using a pattern I had made up myself by just sketching from a dress that I had. Uh -huh. And I took like 36 orders for that dress. And that was prior to being burned out, I think, because it was one design <laughs> yeah, wow. and there was 30 some of the same fabric. So yeah, that was that was yeah. a lot. But that's 
really a lot of when we were like he was coding and I was sewing was because I had so many orders to finish. But for the most part, I use patterns as like a framework, so to speak. I like it. <laughs> and I just kind of throw the directions out and certain parts of the pattern. And then I just kind of go from there. So I almost never stick completely to a pattern. Okay. Kind of a... Um, so, so there's a little bit of everything. You are using tools or frameworks to, right. to get, help you get started. But then there's a creative aspect. But there's also a production aspect. Right. And it's when you, it's when you spend too much time in production, like you mentioned, 32 <laughs> orders, that it just kind of just yeah. like, do I really want to keep doing this? Right. Yeah. That is, okay. It does get to be a lot. Have you ever done any boys' clothes, or it's it's been all dresses and uh, bell bottoms and stuff? Well, I and did blouses. some. <laughs> I did some. Well, I've done some a few things for James, but uh, I made him a uh, oh Prince Charming costume when we went to Walt Disney oh, World, cool. and he didn't really want to wear it, but I kind of made him wear her <laughs> <laughs> pictures. Mom. And, and then he got kissed by Cinderella, and it was all over. <laughs> nice. He still hates that costume, but awesome. I've done a few things for him, but not a whole lot of boy stuff. Boys are just kind okay. of boring when it comes to clothes, right? Just... Especially now because it's all just basically Under Armour everything. Yes, oh, he's just all match about your colors. every under all the Under Armour Nike you can imagine. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so so I uh, will go more there in a bit, but I want to get into the backstory a bit, and and uh, I tell everybody this, but this you you are in control of where we go and don't go okay and uh so but i'm just gonna ask some questions so you moved around a lot when you're a kid first question i always ask people in that context is military no we just moved around a lot yeah try to think i think the longest i ever lived in one place growing up was four years wow so it was just constant moving and changing and meeting people and i don't know i i mean i like living in one place i really love to travel but i i'm okay just i mean it's okay yeah. I, I like that my kids have friends and like have a lot more of a just, you know, steady, stable, yeah. stable life than I did. So, yeah, I don't miss the moving part. I hate moving. I was just going to ask, what <laughs> what sort of an impact do you think moving around so much made on you long term? Do you, do, you, do you feel like you have a sense of that? Yeah, I was just talking to Taylor about this the other day, actually. I feel like it's hard if you don't live in the same place you grew up in you didn't i was homeschooled so i didn't go to school i didn't right. go to college so i feel like there's a lot of friendships that you make lasting friendships that you tend to make like old friends that you can't really force once you're like an adult yeah. i feel like i don't have that because we yeah. did move around so much so like i and i'm 22 hours from where i grew up so it's yeah. not like even the people I didn't know there, it's hard to keep in contact and keep real close when you're so far away. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, you say, oh, I go back home and see the people I went to middle school with. I go back right. home and see the people I went to high school with. And none yeah. of that being around. You no, know. no. Hmm. And yeah, making making friends as a grown up turns out to be. It's extremely <laughs> the, difficult. Yeah. It's, it it's a lot of work. It is frustrating too. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't want to come off as too desperate, but sometimes I'm like, hey, you want to go out? To dinner? Because yep. I really need a friend. <laughs> I need friends, yep. So, yeah. All right. So, so you were just shy 18 and you met the strapping young gentleman <laughs> who, who has brought this uh, conversation together. Um, what were your first impressions of young Taylor? Um, that he was really quiet. Uh, it wasn't exactly like love at first sight. Him and my dad were really more friends before we became friends. Hmm. And so, like, I would listen to them talk a lot, and they had a lot of deep conversations, and it was interesting. Sometimes I would join in, and 
but once we got to know him more and his personality started to come out because I mean, I think a lot of people just think of him as quiet, but he is yeah. hilarious. Like, he's really, really yeah. funny. And so I think once his personality came out more, I was like, I really like him. <laughs> cool. So, yeah. So how how techy are you? And uh, uh, No, first of all, how techy were you then and how techy are you now? Well, I was, my family was not techy at all. Not yeah. at all. Like, so I was kind of the tech person of, my, of our family. But that was really just like emails and like phones. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even have smartphones. I remember when he came over and he had the, I think it was the first iPhone. We're like, what is that? We had not even <laughs> seen one. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. what, so one of the first questions I always ask everybody is what was your first access to a computer? So I'm, I'm going to ask you too. When was the first time you had access to a computer? Um, yeah, I got my first, we got our first computer when I was 12. And um, that's back when there was dial-up and, like, somebody picked up the phone, you know, and ruined your internet connection. Right. And my mom was really big into selling stuff on eBay back then, so I would often do all the posting for her. And we used PayPal, too, back then, which was also pretty okay. rough. Wow. And I remember I did all the – I learned all the HTML for the eBay listings. Wait, how old were you at this point? Twelve. You were 12 years old and you were writing HTML. So, okay, so this is an unexpected part of this interview where at 12 years old you were writing HTML. So this is this is destiny then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really didn't go much further than that, but I learned how to make like different size fonts, different color fonts, like spacing, because right. you had to do all that manually back then on eBay. And eBay, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I learned. You're like using the color property. It was before CSS probably. Right, right. All right. So, yeah. Okay. So, so while your family didn't have a lot of computers and stuff around, you did have a computer. You were writing HTML. You were selling stuff with PayPal and eBay. So, you right. were, for, for the average, you know, 12-year-old homeschooler back in the 90s or whatever, you were yeah. pretty technically savvy. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm guessing that that being the case, that still wasn't necessarily something that you and Taylor connected on, right? Not really. No, not really. When you were 12, what did you want to be when you grew up? I really wanted to be a midwife or a doula. Oh, yeah. And I still do, actually. Um, when I was in my teens, I read all the books to become like a licensed doula or whatever. Do you know what mm -hmm. that is? Yeah. Okay. But wh why don't you explain? Because I do, because that's right, our world. Right, you're a dad. <laughs> that's our world. But yeah. can you explain for everybody what a doula is? A doula is somebody that's there to support a mom during labor. So she's really the person that comes for mom. Like, she helps yeah. with relaxation and just like pressure points just to be there and like be reassuring basically she's just there for the mom so that could be at, at a home that could be at a birth center or it could be at a hospital i've always thought of the doula as basically like the number one advocate for the mom yes. especially when the mom doesn't have a partner or the partner is not necessarily knowing what to do right like i, I think of doulas as they know the things a mom's going to need to care about they know the problems that they're going to run into and they are like the the interference between mom and potential difficulty, right? Yeah, I agree. And I feel like a lot of times the poor dad's lost as to what to do. Yeah. And like, there's some, some things that only a woman can help you with when you're in labor that other yeah. men don't really know how to do. Um, right. So yeah, that's what I, I've always wanted to be since I was like seven. And so yeah, maybe one day when the kids are like grown or whatever, yeah. it's just such an the schedule would be just hard because there's no scheduling when you go into labor. So yep. I could be gone all night, all day. Like, so I think yeah. it would be better to pursue that when the kids are a little bit bigger. Yeah. One of my questions I was going to ask is, let's say the kids are 16 or 18 or whatever. What would be your next thing? So that's that's what you're thinking. Yeah. I mean, you got to be able to say, get a phone call 
and be somewhere be else there. with 30 minutes notice and be there as long as it takes for yeah. 20 hours or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And I had a doula with my first and bless her heart. She was there for 20 hours, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My uh, sister-in-law is a, a birth photographer, so she uh, has a similar schedule and she's got kids around your kid's age, but the difference is the photographer doesn't have to be there the whole 20 right. hours. Now, there, there's flexibility. I mean, they do need to be there when the baby comes out, right. but but there's a little bit more flexibility. But even so, the only way she can do it is with a large, large, large support system of people who can jump in, multiple grandparents ready to take a kid at the drop of the hat, and my, my brother has a flexible schedule. So it's, it's a lot. So yeah. I, I definitely hear you there. And I've actually thought about doing the birth photographer instead because I also love photography and it's actually something I'm pursuing I'm taking class in a few weeks just to learn more about how to use a camera and stuff so I have thought about that because I just love birth and being there but that would be less a little bit less time and like less hands-on yeah so I don't know okay well if you do do that I'll introduce you to someone okay sounds good (laughs) cool all right so you were 12 you're doing html ebay homeschooled met uh, met him at age 17 you guys moved pretty quickly and so you're in oklahoma you are a newly married couple uh, i assume that he was working at that first job out of college at that point or still in college so what was life like uh what were you interested in i mean you weren't becoming a doula at least right then so what kind of what did it feel like for you at that point well um let me think he was working well i met him as soon as he graduated college because he that's when he moved to a town close to ours got it. he okay. lived in fort smith arkansas which is right over the border we were on the very mm-hmm. edge of oklahoma so like we were only about 30 minutes apart so after well i met him like a couple days after he graduated and then uh, once we got married of course i moved to fort smith and i don't know i was still so young i had just turned 19 the week we got married Mm-hmm. and then um, got pregnant pretty quickly. <laughs> so we had yeah. our first about nine months later. So life just went full, yeah. you know, just busy, busy, busy. So I really didn't have time to think about, like, I don't know, any kind of anything career else or anything else. <laughs> keeping this child alive <laughs> yes. and fed. And... Yeah. Yeah. So that life has moved really fast, basically, since yeah. since then. And then had, we had our second 20 months after we had our first. So they're just real close. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just been crazy. I feel like that stage of our life was just like this just exhausting just yeah. tunnel we were in. That, like you can't think of anything else except like surviving from day to day. <laughs> yep. And then once I started to come out of that, I feel like it was about when our youngest was like three or four, I started to realize, oh, wow, like life isn't about babies and toddlers anymore. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, what am I going to do with myself? I almost started like having this panic moment, like, oh my gosh, should I go to school? Like, what should I do? Right. <laughs> He's right. like, now calm what? down, take it one day at a time. Let's, <laughs> right. You'll be busy, trust me. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, and just, just so if anybody else is, well, people are listening to this, the amount of work that a stay-at-home parent has to do is just unbelievable. And it's yeah. it's something where, you know, the question of like, what do you do all day? Well, sometimes that can be a non-malicious question to ask, but sometimes it's not. But regardless of whether or not it's a malicious question, I mean, if if you find yourself in a circumstance where you have kids and you've never been a stay-at-home parent, just take a week off of work and uh, send your spouse <laughs> off on a vacation and just see what it like. Because I've done it and it is... You know, like, for, thankfully, my wife is very good at communicating to me the cost that it is on her. So I, you know, I, I didn't have to do it to at least get that it's an idea. But having done it, I'm like, this is nonstop 
work, nonstop exhaustion, nonstop energy. This is not just like, a, oh, yeah, I sit around and twiddle my thumbs. Like, have you noticed that children actually, you know, need taken care of? And usually when you're <laughs> a stay-at-home parent, you're also responsible for taking care of the house. Right. right? Oh, yeah. So like, yeah, Which I'm they're a constantly tearing apart. So. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm basically a, a cleaning cleaning person. I am a chef. I am a child care person. I am, you know, like all these things all together at once. So I want to affirm that that's a crazy amount of work. And even thinking about anything about being like an actual just human being in the midst of that can be pretty nuts. Yeah, it's kind of overwhelming, really. And like when you're in the just in the throes of it, like you still are, it's just especially for her, I feel bad for her because it's really hard to be with your kids all day with no other mm -hmm. like human interaction, really. Yeah. Like looking back, I'm like, wow, like that is really difficult. <laughs> yeah. In the midst of it, you're just so tired, you can't really think straight. But once you come out of it, it's like, wow, yeah, that, that's really difficult. Having little yeah. kids is very, very difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the things that we noticed was that it's probably a lot more difficult now than it used to be when you had family living all around you and right. everyone's really close. And yeah. one of the things we did to make up for the fact that our family all lives many hours away was move to a neighborhood with tiny little yards where everybody's really tight and close together yeah. so that you get some of that kind of communal aspect. And that's helped us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I remember many mornings just thinking, oh, I would just give anything to have a mom or somebody come yeah. and sit with my kids for two hours so I could sleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, just sleep. <laughs> I don't care if she does nothing yep. else. Just keep the kids from killing each other and right. let me get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. If they're alive yeah. and not screaming when I wake up, right. I'm good. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so that was a that was a pretty significant period of of your life. I mean, that was you know probably six seven years before you're really to the point where she was three years old, four years old, and, right? And you're out of it now, right? And you've talked about you did some sewing, and it turns out you can burn out on that a little bit. You also are you know thinking about like. 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, or whatever it ended up being, where you're at a place where you're considering maybe being a dual or something else like that. What, I don't know, I, I've, what is it that you do day to day right now that gives you the most joy? Well, I'll just tell you our daily schedule. It's pretty much the same every day. The alarm goes off at 6.30, and we set the alarm in the kids' room to keep them in bed till 6.30. <laughs> it's like the opposite. It's the opposite, right? It's the opposite. As soon as the alarm goes off, it's like, elephants upstairs just like shh, just running as fast, yeah. as fast as they can downstairs but yeah they're they like to get up early so and then get them ready give them breakfast get them ready for school drop them off and then i go i normally go to the gym just about every day from straight from dropping them off and work out and then i come home and shower and you know sometimes taylor and i will go eat lunch together and that's nice to be able mm -hmm. to do that to be able to just like chat and see each other and then we go get the kids at three and they're home and fix dinner. And on Tuesdays, my daughter has dance and my son has basketball. So he'll take him to basketball practice and I'll take her to dance. Um, but I, we really like having our family time at night. And mm -hmm. I don't like, I don't want to give that up. Like I'm anything that's going to take us away from the house for more than like two nights a week. I'm, I'm not yeah, going to do it. It's, it's not, not worth it. No. Cause I just like having that yeah. time and they, they're so exhausted from being at school all day. I mean, school is, school is really tough. Yeah. I mean, especially now it's just, there's so much. So, yeah. So, uh, in what ways do you think your life is different with Taylor um, running Laravel versus if he had a normal nine to five? Um, let me think when he had a normal job, I felt a lot more alone. Of course I had a little kid, but I just, 
I don't know, just waiting for him to get home was like <laughs> my day, basically. Mm-hmm. But hmm, I really like being able to go and travel more. That's really, I love to travel. I think it's yeah. because we never did as a family at home. So it's something I really, really, really want to do with my kids. And like, they really love it and look forward to it. It's just, I don't know, when you're away from home and the kids are not infants, it's just like you can really cut loose and just, there's not, you know, really any responsibilities. It's less mm-hmm. stressful. Like, cause you can just have fun and like eat junk food and like just, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Just like really yeah, cut yeah. loose and have fun. And so I think it's just so, I really enjoyed that. And I'm glad he could, you know, not have to just have like one week a year mm-hmm. that we have to like squeeze everything into. Yeah. And when the kids were little, it was nice because if one of us had a doctor's appointment, I could leave the other one with him. Um, he could, they could sit up here in his office or whatever. Yeah. So that helped out a lot. Not having to haul them everywhere I went throughout the day. So, yeah. Okay. Was it when he first started? So, so he went from that job, he went over to, to Userscape. When he was first talking about going full time on Laravel, was that scary? Um, and what, what was it like for you? It was a little scary. But he is, like, extremely responsible. So I knew that if he felt okay with it, that it was going to be okay, probably. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he waited until it was, you know, well-established. And it was not... So it wasn't terribly scary. It was more just, like, super exciting because when we were first married, for the first couple years, I remember we we would walk around our little duplex... And we would just chat about like app ideas and stuff that he could do to be able to work for himself so that we could, you know, be together more. And it was just Mm -hmm. like this pipe dream at that point. It was just like, this will never happen, but it's kind of fun talking about it, you know? And he tried a few other little things before that were kind of, we kind of laugh at now because they're kind of hilarious. But when he made Laravel, he hadn't, it wasn't, one of those ideas that he thought would be really used. It was more like, Hey, I don't like anything that's out there. I'm just going to build my own for me to use. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the day he launched it and it was like, Oh my gosh, we, I've got like, I don't know, just a couple of stars or whatever on GitHub. And he was so yeah, yeah. excited. And he was like, just really pumped about that. And just, I don't know. It was just went kind of from there. We, I remember he would get a retweet from somebody with like 1,500 followers and he'd be like, oh my gosh, can you imagine <laughs> if one person retweets it right. with that many followers and then 1,500 people see it and then one of them retweets it. <laughs> so it's just, it's just crazy. But yeah, so when he went on his own, I was, I felt pretty good about it. I mean, I've always told him, I said, if all this goes away tomorrow, you know, and we're living in a cardboard box, I'll, you know, I'll still love you. Like we have each other. That's yeah. what matters. So yeah, we'll figure it out. And of course that's not going to happen because he's responsible. It has everything, you know, figured out money wise, but yeah. So that's pretty cool. So you're, you're technically not the primary entrepreneur. You're not the name who's behind the framework. You didn't code it. And someone could just say, Hey, it's Taylor's idea. And what you did was give him breathing room to do it. But I don't think that would be a full description of the situation as an entrepreneur with an incredibly supportive spouse who's a co a business partner with another entrepreneur who has a very supportive spouse. I'm very aware of how much our spouses are a part of um, the work we're doing, even if their their fingers might not be in everything. Are there any aspects of what it feels like to not just be a supportive spouse, but to be a co-entrepreneur that you could talk a little bit about? And I know that's a little bit of a vague question, but 
do you have any sense of the ways in which you see yourself being a part of Laravel versus just watching Taylor do it? Yeah, um, I really, ever since I was little, I've been an entrepreneur. Like I love talking about small business ideas. I have had many little businesses over the years, ever since I was like pretty little of my own. So I kind of like, I really love talking about the subject, whether it, you know, pertains to me or to somebody else. Like I love hearing other people's ideas and like dreaming about stuff. So I often like ask them, you know, I can't give away any secrets, so I gotta be careful here. But right. <laughs> like, what? okay, well I'll often ask them like, how's such and such coming? And like, you know, I try to keep up and keep interested because I am interested. Uh, yeah. Even though I can't use it or whatever, I still am interested in the process and how it's coming. And, you know, when things are really, really busy, like getting ready for Laracon, I just know in my mind, like, he's going to need more time. Uh, I'll need to give him that time. And right. it's just a season. It's It may be busier. He may have to work uh, a Saturday or a Sunday here and there or yeah. bring his laptop down after the kids are in bed and work a little bit. But I just know it's a season and it'll pass and things will calm back down. So, yeah, that way, like, I try to give him time and space to, you know, create. But I also like to talk to him about it, you know, try to stay interested in it and kind of stay up on the, the latest programs. And, and also, I mean, I've, I try to, like, give him ideas here and there where I can. I know once he incorporated one of my ideas in Forge, which was kind of cool for security. That's but awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I can't code it, but would this work? <laughs> it's like, uh -huh. oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of fun. Are you are you familiar with the phrase rubber duck debugging? No. So there's an idea in coding that when you're stuck or something's not working, one of the best ways to solve the problem is to talk to somebody about it. But it turns out it's not often what the other person is telling you that's helping, but just the process of talking, talking. through it with someone. And so at Titan, we all have like a little, somebody <laughs> Somebody at a book once said, you could literally just stick a rubber duck on your desk. And so right. y'all who can't see, I just pulled a rubber duck off my desk. Uh, you could just sit there and talk to a rubber duck. And I've, I've realized that I use my wife as a rubber duck often expecting that she'll just kind of like you uh -huh, know smile and yeah. nod and then like you said she'll have like really as a non-technical person she'll have fantastic input about user behavior or what it would look like for her and i'm like i'm, I'm glad i used you instead of a rubber <laughs> right. duck because this is way better so right. it sounds like you're not just rubber duck although that is a thing where you're, right. you're listening but you're actively involved in in some of the processes of thinking through stuff yeah and i try to be and if there's any way i'm always telling him like if there's any way I could help you with the conferences, like I, you know, I looked up venues for him and I was like, I could take over, you know, contacting the venues and looking, getting food lined up. And so just trying to take anything I can off his plate. I mean, he ends mm -hmm. up doing most of it himself and does a great job at it. But I do try to help out here and there with that kind of stuff. Cause I'm like, I could, I could do that. <laughs> sure. Sure. All right, so one of the things I noticed is that you have had a little bit of social media interaction with various folks in the Twitter world, in the Laravel world. You're, you're on Twitter at times, and you, you will see you at conferences along with the kids, although you're usually taking care of the kids a little bit more in those contexts. What what does it feel like to have all, a whole bunch of people interact with you and following you, primarily because they're developers and just random people from countries around the world following you? And is it is it weird? Is it kind of fun? Do you have any idea what they're actually talking about? It is a little funny because I'll tweet something and I'll be like, wait a minute, that was totally like the wrong crowd for that because like <laughs> nobody's going to care right. in this crowd. Right. But um, yes. Some things go on Facebook, some things go on right. Twitter. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
although I have been trying to like step away more from Facebook and Instagram, I've delete mm -hmm. i'll kind of like delete instagram for a while then download it post a picture then delete it again it's just like yep. i don't know it's just so much to keep up with and like sometimes i just need a break yeah but anyway yeah so it is kind of funny to open twitter and it's like twitter and facebook are like totally different worlds right <laughs> both like politically and just everything everything is totally separate so and everybody i follow just about on twitter is tech people Mm -hmm. And I think everybody that follows me is tech people. So sometimes I have to keep that mind of like, then I feel like I don't tweet very often because I'm like, what, what would I have to offer to this right. crowd? Like, like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know that feeling of, I often, I also find myself saying, you know what, like I'm a whole human being and regardless of whether you followed me for one thing or another, right. this is, this is who I am. So I've right. tried to remind myself to, <laughs> to self-censor a little bit less Yeah, and just be like, you know what? If you don't, if you don't like this part of me, you can go follow somebody else who talks about just the tech you care about or whatever. But I know. What yeah, you mean. I agree. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't care. This is me. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Just, you're I mean, following me, then right. you're gonna get me. <laughs> if you don't right. like me, there's an unfollow button. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So if there were a Laracon in a different country in the world that you are most interested in visiting, somebody should go spin up this Laracon just to give you the excuse to travel with Taylor. Which one would it be? Boy. Okay, somewhere tropical. I love okay. the beach. Okay. Hey, we're looking Laravel, at a place. Costa Rica? I think I, Costa Rica? there's a huge Laravel group. Is it? Okay. Where? He was just telling me the other day, there's like one of the biggest Laravel groups there are is somewhere like that. Okay. Is that Brazil or Costa Rica? I don't know. There's but, definitely a big group in Brazil for Yeah, sure. I think it may be that. But he pulled up. I was like, okay, I will go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so if you're listening and you have a large Laravel community in a tropical location, yes. you might get some special <laughs> uh, special bonus points behind your conference if yeah. you have one. Yes, for I sure. Like that. You are technical. You, you understand technical things. But I think that your perspective on the apps that Taylor's building and the technical stuff he's doing can often, just as A, not being the one writing the code, and B, not someone who dreams of architecture design patterns all day, I would bet it gives you a little bit of a broader perspective than some of us can have at times when we're stuck in code. So I got two two questions around that. Number one, what either is like the best thing you've seen come out of the Laravel community or the best hope you have for the Laravel community on a broader perspective? And two, um, do you have any worries or correctives or things you, you know, you warnings you want to give or things you want to tell people, hey, make sure you stay away from it. And I know that's kind of broad and vague, but basically like what are your hopes and dreams and what are your fears from a broader perspective for Laravel as a framework, as a community, as its possible impact and all that kind of stuff? One thing I was really surprised about the first time I came to Laracon, which would have been the first year in Louisville. So it was three mm -hmm. years ago, I, I guess. Because so. before then my kids were so little independent on me there was no way I was going to be able to leave them and like go to these conferences even though I like really really wanted to um, so that was the first year we actually all went and brought his mom to that one but yeah now I'm able to go mm -hmm. but I was really pleasantly surprised by just how like just as people they were just so friendly and like happy and welcoming and just really they were everyone was so excited about it it made me really excited for the future of Laravel and just to see the culmination of all his work, because, you know, I see like the grueling day-to-day, -day, yep. you know, stress and just 
uh, hard work and extra hours. But to see it, like all these people using it and all these cool stories of people being able to quit their jobs and work from home with their families because of it, mm-hmm. that to me was so rewarding, very, very yeah. rewarding. And even though I wasn't technical, I still felt like I made a lot of friends and still talked to a ton of people. And so, yeah, I really love, I really love that. As far as warnings go, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, you know, I feel like the Twitter fighting has kind of died down a little bit. Maybe, yeah, maybe like I'm it. just kind of in a hole, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think I don't it, really go to Reddit that often. So <laughs> yeah, or I've just muted everybody. Yeah. I'm not sure which. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. So I don't know. Lately, I think things have been going pretty well as far as that goes and cool. everything. So no, I like the idea that you said about, uh, I mean, when I was asking about the impact it's had on your life, you described a lot of impacts on quality of life for your family. Yeah. And when you described the impacts it's had on other people, it was a similar thing. It was quality of life and self-determination and family time, stuff like that. And yeah. it's cool for that. Like, And, and, and I, I never want to be the one who pits financial success against those sorts of things because often financial success gives you freedom and gives you the ability to do that. But we could have said, oh, you know what? Like the really good thing is that lots of people are making lots of money or lots of people are getting famous or rich or whatever, right. you know, which are not bad things. But again, right. I, I love that one of the vibes is for people to like live the life that they want to live. Yeah. And that, that's something I've heard you talk about a lot here, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that to me is, I mean, that's really all there is. I mean, family and like just being able to, I don't know. I think it's just coming from where I come from. I think it's, that's so important to me is just spending a lot of family time. And I love that the kids could come in and see Taylor after school and, I mean, I try to keep that at a minimum because I know he's working, but he'll often, you know, let him come in and say hi. And then within two to two hours, he's downstairs for dinner. So, mm-hmm. but it's just really made our, it's just really enriched our family life so much having him home and working for himself. And it's really cool to see that happen in other people's life, especially as a direct product of Laravel. I think that's just, that's really yeah. cool to me. I love it. I think that's a good, a good point to stop on because it makes it you know gives you all the, the feels and the, 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 all that. so well this is this has been amazing i really appreciate you taking your time here if if people who listen to this were were to take one action in in their lives or in the Laravel community or something in response to this one thing some people would say hey, follow me on twitter for, for is there one thing that they did in response to hearing you talk with what would that one thing be um hmm just enjoy each other just I don't know, just try not to get bogged down in the day-to-day or the stress, the arguments. Just try, really try to enjoy your family and spend time with them. And I don't know, because in the end, that's really all that matters, I guess. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, I appreciate Go you hard. asking me. Nobody has really asked me to be on these things before, so I was a little nervous. I was like, what am I going to say? But you're easy to talk yeah. to. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's what I say. It's, like, it's, it's about you. It's not about saying the right thing or teaching the right thing it's just there's people behind all of this right and the hope is to get to know the people and a lot of people again they know your name they might not know you so hopefully yeah. they know you a little bit more and and uh you'll have even more friends at next layer <laughs> <laughs> cool well abigail thank you so much for your time it was a total pleasure talking to you and uh see you later okay thank you bye